Now you may be seated, and I'm going to read the passage today. Would you all stand once again? Now, whenever we read the passage, we stand still, and I'm going to read the passage. This is the first John chapter five, verses fourteen through fifteen. I'm going to read it in NIV version, and this is the confidence that we have toward Him, that if we ask anything according to His will, He hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked of him. Amen. You may be seated. Uh, as I mentioned last week, announced last week, we have a guest speaker. His name is Ricky Kim. Uh, Dr. Park, uh, our, one of KM members, introduced Brother Ricky uh, to me and I had a little conversation with him over the phone and little kakka talk, texting with him. I just sensed that he has a passion for the Lord. So I can't wait to hear him today. So I'm glad you guys came today. And let us open our hearts, receive the word. But before we do that, he brought his wife and uh, children here today together, right? And his, his wife is well-known musical actress in Korea. Uh, and she's going to... She actually uh, performed uh, one of the spell number uh, during the came service, and that really touched my heart. And that was a song that I really, uh, really liked. And, and she's going to sing another song. So would you welcome? Uh, oh, after your sermon, okay. <laughs> Sorry. But you're going to enjoy her and also our great speaker, Ricky Kim. Would you welcome him with a big round of applause? God is good all the time. Yes, my wife will be singing later, not right now. It's amazing how God uh, has a plan for all of us, isn't it? It's amazing. Uh, I'm going to give a little bit of my testimony today and talk about uh, what I love, which is Jesus. I hope you guys can see my passion. I hope the passion's not seen from me, but this passion is the grace and mercy from Jesus Christ. Amen? Amen. I heard you guys are like a hot church out here. I heard that like the amens are like just, amen? amen. Hallelujah? Hallelujah. So God's got an amazing plan for me. He's got an amazing plan for you. You guys have heard many times that God loves you, 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 individually, almost as into a point where if I love something else more, that God gets jealous, correct? At any time, if you guys hear something you agree with, you can say amen, okay? At any time, okay. So... <laughs> Thank you. So God's got an amazing plan for all of you guys. He's got an amazing plan for me too. That amazing plan sometimes when I think it's a plan that I'm setting up changes. Like today. Today, this morning. So yesterday, the, the, the week of this week, I've been pl pr planning to say something that I feel like God is giving me this week. So I'm trying to plan something. I'm getting ready for it. I'm looking at some, some scripture. I'm jumping in here. I'm getting all my notes and everything. And this morning... Life gets in the way, which happens many times, and all my notes are left on the table. Are left on the table. So what happens to me? Everything that God prepared for me while I'm saying that, and I'm like, okay, I got this message that I've prepared for this church, and I'm going to give it with God's grace and mercy and glory to you guys. And then this morning, I leave it on, I leave it on the, uh, the table. Has that ever happened to you guys? Or you've prepared something, you just leave it on the table? Well, 
So I'm praying. I'm like, God, and of course, my heart starts to pound, and I'm getting worried because I've got an amazing message that I thought I prepared, but then I get here, and I'm like, wow, God, what am I going to talk about? What am I going to talk about? What is Ricky Kim going to talk about at the service today? And he gives me a note. He gives me a note, which is pretty amazing. So for this morning until now, so the drive up from, I'm in Orange County to here, I'm worried. What am I going to say? I get to service. I came to the early service. I'm like, what am I going to, God, give it to me. I'm waiting for the download. I press the button many times. You ever get in an elevator and you're like, okay, go on the seventh floor. I got to get there fast. Press it again. Press it. It doesn't go faster. This morning, I'm pressing the download as much as possible. God, give me something. And he gives it to me. He gives it to me through pain and suffering. Where did, I, where did I hear the first pain and suffering? This morning. When my heart was broken, when I found out that your lead pastor had lost his mother. I don't know if some of you here have lost a parent or maybe a sibling or a friend. Maybe it was just fresh friendship. Wasn't, maybe it wasn't death. Maybe it was just friendship that has been broken. But I, my heart was broken this morning in pain and in joy, in suffering and an amazing happiness that his beautiful mother is now in heaven with Jesus. Hallelujah. So I'm listening to the service and I'm wow, Lord, I'm getting emotional here for a second. And when I feel this emotion, I'm like, okay, wow, God wants to tell me something. He said, pain and suffering. I wrote down these notes. It says, broken, question mark. Are any of you broken? Question mark. Lost. Are any of you lost? Question mark. Do you have questions? God, why? Or what's going on? Or how? It's the who, what, where, when, hows. So I wrote those down. I have a question mark. Or are you overly blessed with something and you don't know how to utilize it totally? Or you're using it and you're always, I don't know if I'm using it the right way. So these are questions that came to me through testimony of this brother's pain and suffering. Through one of you guys that walked up here and said that he didn't want to go, but when God called him, he went and God blessed him. So, I'm going to talk to you guys about pain and suffering through where I've been feeling it. Maybe you have. Part of my testimony is going to lead into what I think God's talking to me about this message today. We're going to go back into the uh, 1 John 5, 14 through 15. If you have your Bibles or your electronic Bibles, or if you have memorized it, praise the Lord. 1 John 5, 14 through 15. And this is the confidence that we have in him, towards him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. Pretty amazing, huh? If I just ask him anything, he hears us. It's almost like Google. You ask anything and it comes back. You ask Alexa, it comes back, right? Are you kind of sometimes like, wow, when you ask Alexa something, Alexa goes, I don't have that song. But here it says that, And this is the confidence that we have towards him in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the request that we have asked in him. It's quite amazing. It just says, ask him. So this morning, I could have just asked a little easier instead of beat myself up on the way here. So I'm going to talk about two might even go into three specific points that were in my life that I think God is reflecting that you guys can see today. I pray and hope that when I'm done here that you don't see Ricky Kim or remember Ricky Kim, but you remember the power of Jesus Christ. So, the first one is 
are you living 100% all in God's glory or are you kind of there? Our second point is, are you living a popular, popular life or a powerful life? Well, I'm going to talk about my, myself for a second. Uh, who do you got, how many of you guys know who Ricky Kim is? Thank you. Not a hand went up. <laughs> so, okay, I'll ask one. How many of you have either heard of Ricky Kim or maybe have seen a TV show? Thank you. In Korea, we always, we always say, 살아있네. Ajikdo. <laughs> So, God has blessed me with a platform to entertain. Are you entertained? Have you heard that before? So, he's giving me a platform to entertain. I uh, am going to talk to you about my filtered life, my edited version. So, again, one more time. Who's seen one of those TV shows? It was either a little entertaining, and you saw a little bit of who I am, correct? So, uh, I, in 2006, I started acting. And I did TV shows, um, movies, and the last show, a couple shows I did was Jungle Dubupshik, was like Bear's Grill of Korea, where we go out in the wild and we survive, which was number one for like four years. And then I did a TV show called Oh My Baby with my family. I opened up my house, it talked about family values, and it was number one for like four years. And then I'm here. So I've been blessed with this career that I never thought I was going to get into. And it's like, wow, this amazing career of this beautiful story of a bunch of cool things that are happening in my life, the filtered life, the life that I don't know if you guys are maybe feeling today, like when you go to church, get on my good clothes, make sure my hair is nice, make sure I'm either sitting by my boyfriend or girlfriend or my friend that I might have been fighting with, but at church, let's not show it. Or maybe there's difficulty in your family, but when you get to church, like you don't want to show anybody. That's the filtered life that we're living in. It's the life that I am around in Korea where people look at me. They either want to have my autograph, take a picture, or they want to be, oh, wait, we saw that show. It's so cool. Yes, it's my filter life. My filtered life. Who has Instagram? Facebook? If you don't, you didn't put your hand up, then you're not with the times. Okay, who has Instagram and Facebook? You don't have to raise your hands anymore. Who puts up pictures that are not filtered? You've got some confidence. <laughs> I know, I, we always want to live a filtered life. We do. There's things in our life that we maybe don't want to talk about. I'm going to talk about a few things here in a little bit. They're not so popular. They're not so trendy. They're not the cool things. Yet I live in an industry and I grew up in an industry. I live in a world where cool is number one. Rich and powerful, funny, wearing the coolest clothes, having the best car. All these things are popular. Part of that filter, part of that cool life. So we're going to talk about two things here. Are you living a popular life or a powerful life? Are you living full in Christ or not in Christ? So I grew up in a place called Kansas. Who knows where Kansas is? Thank you. That makes me feel really good. All right. So those ones that raised your hands up, tell me something about Kansas. Thank you. That's from Oklahoma. <laughs> Thank you. Let's go. Keep it going. Anything. Kansas. Jayhawks. That's a good one. That's a good one. Barbecue. Well, Texas says it's better. So we have baseball, but it's also in Missouri. There's a handful of things from Kansas. There's not much. And not only did I live in a place where there's not much. You say from, you're from California, and people just can't stop talking about the amazing things in California. I've been here for two years. I still feel like I'm California now. Who's actually from from California? Born and raised? God bless you. 
So I meet people all the time that aren't even from here, but they act like they're from here. I've been here for two years, and I'm like, yeah, cool, California. I'll tell you everything about California. I live in Kansas for the majority of my life. I have nothing to say about Kansas. So my parents were divorced at the age, at the age of seven. So we're in a multicultural family. At the age of seven, we're going through divorce. When I say we is because I'm a part of that family. It's not, it's not really cool. It's not really popular. It's not something that I really wanted to talk about. So what did I do? Put it behind me. Put on a filter. From the age of seven till the age of 14, I didn't realize it, but we're living an underprivileged, difficult life without my mother. So I'm living in Kansas. I don't know how you guys see me, but I'm seeing a, a Caucasian person here. But that's how my Kansas friends did not see me. This is what I saw. I saw blonde hair, brown hair, blue eyes, green eyes. I look at myself, and I think I'm the same way. But what I see in projecting the mirror is different than what the people are seeing from me. So what do they see? They see a Chinese person. I'm not kidding you. Back in the 90s and the 2000s, there, there's no cool Korea here. There's no Samsung and Kia and Hyundai. If you said, that, oh, I'm Korean, how about a Kia? They'd be like, Kia, that's like the worst car, man. That's the worst car out there. Samsung, that's Japanese, right? I'm like, my goodness. So the bullying, the segregation of what I am living in now was so true to me. I go visit my mom, and we, we, she takes us to Korea. You know what I hear in Korea? I'll have the Korean cousins bump me in the elbow. Boom, boom. They see a Caucasian. Like, hey, go talk to your cousin. Like, funny. That person's Russian. Don't you speak Russian? They're white. I'm like, no, I don't. I get to America. I'm going to college now. My friends bump me. Boom, boom. Hey, there's a, your, your, your Asian friend. Like, dude, that guy's Chinese. Yeah, but don't you all speak the same language? No. So I'm growing up in segregation. I'm growing up in difficulties. I'm growing up in a completely different world. I'm a foreigner here. By the way, the Bible says that you are a foreigner here on this earth. Don't get comfortable. So I'm a foreigner. I'm learning about what the, the words foreigner means at a young age. And at the same time, broken family, not popular. Foreigner, not so cool. And poor. I'm going to share it with a little, a little story about how difficult it was when I was a kid. I didn't realize it, but we're buying shoes because we get a pair of shoes once every two years in my family I'm living in, because that's all we could afford. My, the worst time of school, which you might not believe, is because one of my TV shows in Korea is called Dream Team. It's a famous sports show. I got lucky that I was on the show, because my wife had challenged me. She said, I'm watching it one morning before I go to church, it's on Sunday, and I'm like, I could beat all those guys. And she's like, man haji man haji man which in, which in English says, don't just talk about it, do it. And so I was like, fine. So I get to be on this TV show, and I happen to win a few awards. So I'm known as a sports figure in Korea. But the story I'm telling you now is when I was a kid, I hated sports. I hated gym class. Why? Because in gym class, when I was a kid, you have to take your shoes off to go into the gym. My shoes had holes in them. I've been wearing them for two years. They're from Payless. They don't have good soles or it's a hand-me-down for my brother. If you have a shoe with a hole in it, that means your socks get dirt inside. I live in Kansas. There's dust everywhere. There's dirt everywhere. So there's dirt coming in my shoe. So I live with my dad and my brother. I don't have no mom sitting there taking the Clorox and wiping my, shoe, my socks out. So my socks are what color? Brown. So as a young child that's already going through the separation phase of no mother, multicultural difficulty of being a foreigner, and brown socks, it wasn't easy. So I'd go to the bathroom, I'd take my socks off, 
I'd wash my feet, I'd go to gym class. You ever been in gym class with no socks on? You rip your feet up, it's not, it's not fun. So I didn't like sports when I was a kid. It's crazy how God now makes me a sports figure in Korea. It's through some of that pain is why I am who I am right now, because I was fighting through to be either good at sports, funny, or popular, because those are three things that you're smart, you're rich, you're popular, you're funny, you're cool, are things that separate you away from not being on the side of being, oh, you're like that guy in the corner. So I, I didn't want to be that guy in the corner. So I'm trying everything this world is telling me to do, to be popular, to be cool. So I'm living this life, and then the age of 14, God decides to take another U-turn on me. So at the age of 14, my father dies in an accident. So I'm this 14-year-old kid thinking I'm getting things that are going okay, starting to be kind of cool, starting to be kind of popular. And I'm like, wow, I play, I play on the basketball team, I'm on the football team, I've got some friends, they think I'm funny, I'm wearing the cool clothes. I even bleached my hair at the time, trying to be more fitting with them. And then at the age of 14, my father dies in an accident. Wow, another shocker. More pain and suffering. Now, God, what are you doing here? This is a time that I actually grabbed onto God who is supposed to be the father, right? And I told him, I said, God, this is where my first relationship with God is happening. Been going to church since I was six, reading the Bible. But at the age of 14, it's like, wow, God, you said you're my father. Now what? What shall I grab onto now? You're my father. Then you have to take care of me now because I don't have a father now. I'm orphaned to this world. I don't live with my mother. My father is dead now. What does this word mean? I'm looking at this Bible. I'm like, what, is these, what do these words mean? I'm shaking it like an eight ball saying, Lord, give me an answer. I'm doing what most of you might do is you just turn the page until you pick it. And you're like, okay, is this the answer for today? Is this the word that's going to tell me to do something today? And then I shut the Bible. I went to church, put on my good Sundays, put everything behind me because it wasn't cool to talk about death I didn't want to talk about it. I didn't want to talk about being in a Doris family. I didn't want to talk about being poor. I didn't want to talk about the list just keeps going on and on. I don't know about you guys, but do you guys have a list of things you don't want to talk about? Do you have difficulties that you're going through? Do you have what God put on my heart? Brokenness. Are you a little lost off your path? Do you have questions? Are you overtly blessed in some area where you don't know what you're going to be doing with it? At the age of 14, God gave me an awakening. It was what I say, an awakening. Because it was something that slapped me in the front of the face. It was suffering and pain slapping me in the front of the face. As a human being, we tried to do what? Avoid pain and suffering. We are a magnet towards comfort. We want someone to comfort us. What is God showing me here? He's showing me pain and suffering. What am I asking God now? I was like, why, God, why are you doing this to me? Have I not already have, had enough? But then he gives it even more with taking my father. From the age of 14 to the age of 24, I lived a life of trying to fill, we're calling fillers here, of things that I, I thought would make me feel better. Maybe make some money, fill it. Be cool, buy some cool clothes, fill it. New car, fill it. Relationship, fill it. I'm trying to find these fillers, but then after a while, these fillers only last, some for a long time, some for a short time, but eventually they're gone on back to stage one. Lord, why are these things happening? 
At the age of 24, I decided to read the Bible. I've been living around the Bible in church my whole life. I decided to read the Bible. Not as a Bible of some cool just words, but a Bible that actually lives in my life. I wanted these words to actually come alive to me. I wanted this to be like Matrix. I wanted it to be like Keanu Reeves, looking at Matrix and the words and these numbers just start to float out to me. I wanted this to happen to me. So I started reading the Bible for the first time as an actual story, falling in love with Jesus. If you guys haven't read the Bible to just, you know, reading it just like as a book, but actually reading it as your, as your owner's manual, if you haven't done it or if you're in the process of doing it, I say keep doing it. Dig into it. Let the words come into your life. We're going to talk about that here in a little bit. I started reading the Bible, and at my third year of college, I had a vision that I wanted to go to Korea. I'm on my way to law school here, guys. I'm a Korean. My mom's either be a lawyer or be a doctor. How many of you guys have that mother? Be a lawyer or be a doctor. So I'm either being a lawyer or be a doctor. I decided to be a lawyer. I'm going through the practice of being a lawyer. And then one day I have this vision. I'm, go- I'm going to heaven and I'm with my, my mom and my brother. My dad's not in the picture. And my grandma in Korea is way in the background. And so I turn around and I say, come on, grandma, come on up. And she just waves. And so my mom and my brother are wanting to go into heaven's gates, but I'm just like wanting to stop here. Like, wait, come on, grandma, my Korean grandma. So I wake up. I, I don't really know much about visions. I don't really know, know much about um, these dreams. And so I go to the Bible and I try to read in there and it's, okay, maybe it's a vision that God's giving me. I'm crying. I'm wanting to read the Bible. I'm wanting to pray. I'm crying. I'm getting very emotional. I call my mom. I ask her if, she, if grandma knows Jesus. She's like, I don't know. You know, it's not that big of a deal. Go to law school, do your homework. And I hung up the phone and I'm like, no, I, I think I want to, for the first time in my life, actually do something that I feel like is for God and not for myself. That's the very first time that I ever did something for God. That was the first time I ever did something for God. And it was amazing because after you start doing something for God, then he gives you something else to do. He gives you an opportunity. It's around you. Maybe it's in here right now. So I go to Korea. I'm trying to evangelize to my grandma. I'm here in Korea now, and I realize I don't speak Korean. (laughs) I don't know why I didn't think about that. In my vision, God didn't give me that vision before I went to Korea. But I didn't speak any Korean. So I go to Korea, I start praying for languages. I'm, I'm serving in an orphanage because the Bible says to serve the orphans and serve the widows. When I'm living in Kansas, I look to my left, to my right, I have no orphans and no widows around me. So I'm like, okay, okay, I'm going to Korea. I might as well try to do these both things. I'm going to evangelize to my grandma. I'm going to serve the orphans. So I'm in a think and do process here. I think about something, I'm going to do it now. My father, he grew up underprivileged also, undereducated, and he lived a life of think do you guys have, or are you one of those people that just think and just say, I want to do something, but you don't really actually take the proactive measure to do something? Well, because of my father, the best thing I learned from him is don't live like that. So I'm going to think and do process. I'm thinking about this amazing book that I've learned from. It's starting to affect me, so I want to do something for it. So I get in a plane and I leave. I think I'm actually doing things for God, but I get over there and I'm starting to do things for myself again. I'm going to tell you right now, this is a repentance that I'm giving to God too, is that the reason I'm at the orphanage too is because I want to pad my resume for law school. The reason why I'm evangelizing my grandma because I want to hear from other Christians, good job, good Christian boy. I want the recognition from people. When I'm in Korea, I decide to do what Jonah did and I got on a plane and I left. 
God had specifically called me to go to Korea and I got on a plane and I left. So I'm on this trip around the world, which I call it. And God is keep, he keeps pulling me back. He keeps pulling me back. And so I actually try to listen again, like, okay, God, what do you want me to do? So I went back to Korea. I went back to the Korea. And he just told me, Ricky, every knee shall bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. Go out to all the nations and profess my name, but start in Jerusalem. So I'm like, okay, this is Korea, this is Seoul. So Ricky, that's your Jerusalem. Do you guys know where your Jerusalem is? Do any of you here know exactly where your Jerusalem is? Is your Jerusalem at your school? Is your Jerusalem at your job? Is your Jerusalem maybe in your family? Where do you need to serve now so that God gives you the opportunity to serve again, to serve again, because he will give you opportunities? Let's go back to that word again. 1 John 5, 14 through 15. And this is the confidence that we have in him that if we ask anything according to his will, we're going to stop on that right there, his will. I've asked God for many things. But when I know I'm starting to understand his will, he answers every single one of those prayers. So where's your Jerusalem, guys? I want you to ask that question yourself. Where is my Jerusalem? Where is my Jerusalem? Where am I supposed to be serving? To me at that time, it's like, okay, God, I'm, re- I'm now, I'm actually ready. So I close my eyes, I pray, and then I open my eyes, expecting to be somewhere else. I'm in Korea again, okay? Trying to run away. So I'm in Korea, and I said, you know, God, I'm going to actually do everything I can for you. Everything I can for you. And at the time, serving in the church, doing like six Bible studies at, at the church, trying to really grab onto the, to the, to the word, trying to be a good Christian boy, praying, Lord, what is this Jerusalem vision you've given me? And he says... You are the salt and the light of the entertainment business. And I'm like, what? Not an entertainer. Don't like speaking in front of people. I don't like doing this. When I get in front of people in a mic, my throat comes up to here. The sweat comes down to the parts of my backside that you don't want to talk about. I do not enjoy coming up here. I do not enjoy being on TV. But he says, you're going to be the salt and the light of the entertainment Okay, okay, Lord. Cool. Then I'm going to be that guy behind the stage being the evangelizer to the people that are in front of the stage. Okay, good. I'm going to do that. So I'm thrown into this business. I decide that everywhere I go, I'm going to bring God with me or God is going to push me in there. And I start to see these opportunities to spread God's love. It's not out there to just throw the Bible on somebody and just slap them in the face. It's to really spread God's love. And through spreading God's love, somebody introduced me to somebody who's in a business, in this entertainment business. And then I'm here working as an evangel- evangelizer. They hired me to evangelize to their actors and actresses. And when I was there for the first few months, they said, hey, there's this job and I think you'd be good for it. I'm like, I don't act. I'm not an actor. God called me to be behind the scenes. So the first job that I ever did in Korea is called Miracle. And it was four episodes and the, the character was a NGO, the CEO of an NGO and a lawyer. So I'm like, cool, I can do that. <laughs> That's kind of what I think I'm doing right now. I can do that. And so I, I did the TV show, and I watched it. And I don't know how, have you guys ever had this before? Like, this started happening to me. Like, oh, man, that is so bad. Please, nobody ever watch that. It was the worst. You guys go watch NBC. It's called Kichok or Miracle. And you'll see, like, wow, Ricky, how did you ever get here? <laughs> so I told God, I was like, Lord, I'm not going to do this. It's not me. Another pain and suffering right there. So 
After that, I'd say, God, if you're going to keep giving it to me, then I'm going to give everything to you. Yet, I'm not going to search for it. Just give it to me. Lord, if I, if you say, if I ask for anything, if I'm doing your will, if I'm searching your will, which the Bible says, if I'm searching your will, then I get everything you ask for. So Lord, then give me all these jobs because I am not an actor. I'm not talented. I don't like standing in front of people. I don't like watching myself. And there you go. So I expected it to kind of just shut off. And for eight and a half years, there wasn't a time in Korea where I was not on TV. For eight and a half years, just did not stop over and over and over and over and over. And so it gives me almost a little fear because the responsibility of what God gives you, you guys know what your responsibility is. What he gives you, he expects it back. He gives you a dollar, he expects you to use that dollar for him. If he gives you a talent of being an artist, he expects you to use that art for him. Finance, finance for him. Music, music for him. Your day job, if you're a janitor or if you own the janitoring business, it's supposed to be given to you for a responsibility to give it back to him. So I'm like, Lord, what do I do this now? So that's the time in my life when I started to change. Instead of saying why, I started to ask, what can I do for you, Lord? Are, you, are any of you here in that process of why? Why did this happen to me? Why am I here? I say you're here for a specific reason. Listen, I hope these words, the truth that we're talking about here, pierces your heart. I hope that it shakes you up a little bit. That you talk about some of the burdens you have, some of the brokenness, some of the loss, the pain, the suffering, the questions. I hope that it rattles you real quickly. And instead of asking, why are you giving this to me? How can I use this for you? Jesus, when he was on the cross, he said, why has thou forsaken me? And then he goes right into, I will take this suffering for you. So it's basically saying, he asks for a second and he gets it really fast. He says, why, Lord? But then he says, Lord, yes, if this is for you, for your will, I will take the suffering of every mankind in the entire world from past till future until the second coming of Jesus Christ. I'll take it all right here. Nail me up. And then he ascended to heaven for every one of you guys right here. That suffering, that pain, we're, we're human. We want to avoid it. We want to be attracted to something that's more comfortable, yet God's going to give you pain and suffering. I'm going to give you guys a real quick elevator speech about Christianity. Let's, let's roll back to 1980 real quickly. Christianity, become a Christian. You're going to be happy. You're going, your business is going to do well. Your marriage is going to be great. Your kids are going to be beautiful and smart. And the list goes on. What I'm going to tell you real quickly is that if you're going to be a Christian, there's going to be pain and suffering. You're going to get rocks thrown at you. There is a thorn that you're going to put on your head. You will be nailed to a cross. You will carry that cross the rest of your life. Shall you follow me? Because Jesus looked right at his disciples and said, will you follow me? Will you follow me? What do they do? They got up and they followed him. Through that pain and suffering you guys are going through right now, your brokenness, God is going to show you how to use that as testimony. It's your story. Which leads me right into my second point today. It's not popular to talk about these things of pain and suffering, but yet it's powerful, correct? It's not powerful to project something, but it is to proclaim something. God's given us three things to do in this world. He's given us the ability to promote the word, to proclaim the word, and to protect the word. Yet it's not the coolest thing to do. Yet the coolest guy that I ever, I ever met is Jesus. And he didn't live that cool, trendy life. He lived the powerful life. He used pain and suffering to show the rest of the world that I'm here for you. And you are also here for the rest of the world. 
with my kids, I've got three beautiful kids. They're right back there. On the way out, I'd love for you guys to give them a high five and a kiss. My kids, when we're in the car and we're on our way anywhere, like today, what's something that you guys ask and then what kids ask? Are we there yet? So I'm a loving father and I say, no, we're not there yet. And then what happens five minutes later? I just got in the car 10 minutes ago. What happens five minutes later? Are we there yet? And what do I say? No, we're not there yet. Okay, we're going to skip into about 15, 20 minutes later and about the 17th time it's asked me, Daddy, we're there. We're not there yet. We're not even halfway there. We're not even half of the halfway there. And then what happens five minutes before we get here? Are we there yet? And what do I say? Almost. And then four minutes. Almost. And then 40 seconds. Almost. And then one second. Almost. And then what happens when we actually get here? I get to say, with proclamation and passion, we're here. So are, are you guys, are you almost there? Or are you there in your Christian life? Think about that for a second. Am I, am I there? Am I almost there? Am I at 70% to being a Christian? Am I at, at 80% being a Christian? Am I at 99% being a Christian? Because Jesus says that I will spit you out of my mouth if you're lukewarm. What does that mean? That means either zero or 100. If you're lukewarm, that means you're at 98% there and then Jesus spits you out of his mouth. What does he say? When you go to heaven's gate, I'm going to blot your name out of my book. Because you're not 100% there because you're at 99% capacity. I know in business, that 99% is good. Actually, 70% is good. But in Jesus Christ, it's not. He says that I'll take your name that is written on a rock and I will skip it across the water and is not next to me anymore because I don't know you. Many will knock and say, I've done so much for you, Jesus Christ. Yet, he's not going to let you in. Does it not break your heart? Does it scare you a little bit? I'd say yes, but the fear of Jesus in your heart, because through that fear, through that pain, through that suffering that you will get over and over and over, God will use it for you. He will use it in your story. I'm going to end up real quickly about the promoting, proclaiming, and protecting of Jesus Christ. Off of the understanding of the power of testimony. I don't like speaking in front of people. At all. I don't know if you guys do either. You might look at me or your pastor and say, wow, great speaker. So passionate. Let's think about that word passion for a second. Think about the thing you love the most or you like the most or you enjoy the most. And then talk to somebody about it. Your eyes change. Your mouth changes. You just, you look sometimes dumb because you're just overtly happy and excited about talking about something I'm talking about Jesus here, guys. This is the most passionate, lovable thing that's ever happened to me. He's taken all of my pain and suffering, everything that was not popular, made it into power. He's given me the opportunity to speak to you guys, no matter what gets in my way. I love talking about Jesus because it's a testimony in my life, through the death of my father, through the difficulties of my pain, through the enjoyment of what I've been given to give it to somebody else, to talk to somebody else about it. Because through that, I have now invited Jesus into me. Are you guys going through something difficult? Are you broken? Are you in pain? Or is there suffering? Is there something physically, emotionally, mentally going on with you right now? I will argue yes. Is it on a level of one to 10? I don't know. 
but we're living in a time now that we're being biblically illiterate. So we don't actually grab onto the Bible to invite it into ourselves. What we do is we follow a teaching or a person, we'll call it a parent or a pastor or a leader, and we listen to them. But do you invite Jesus into your heart? Does the Bible that you guys are carrying in your phone or physically, or you have it in your heart and your memory, is it actually not just knowledge, but experience mixed together? We call that testimony. A testimony is not talking about, hey, I got shot and I went to prison and I found God and now hallelujah. Or I was surfing one day, didn't know God and like the shark bit my leg off and I got like one leg and I didn't want to, I wanted to commit suicide, but then I found God and like hallelujah. Yes, that's a testimony of coming to faith. It's a testimony of coming to faith. I'm not asking you guys about a testimony of coming to faith, which is powerful and it is. I'm asking you about every single thing that happened in your life. The difficulties, the happiness, the joys, the suffering, the scars, the anticipated difficulties. Everything is a testimony in Jesus Christ. Who here today didn't want to come to church? Boom, testimony. Who is going through relationship difficulties? Testimony. Who has an ailment or a difficulty in their body health-wise? Testimony. Who's going through difficulties of maybe relationship with their parents? Testimony. Every single breath you take in every day is a testimony to have the opportunity to show Jesus Christ. Yet are we inviting the Bible to us? So I mentioned this to uh, some youth last week. I said, have you ever dealt with fighting? We'll use it as a topic. I fight sometimes. I have anger problems. I have patient problems. I have problems with patience. That right there is a topic. Look to the Bible now. The Bible has a lot of word on that. If you don't understand what that word says, read the front of it, read the back of it. If you don't understand what that is, read the book. If you don't understand the book, read the book before and after. There's only 66 books in the Bibles, guys. It's this book. I'm sure you've read Harry Potter. Harry Potter's this big. The Bible's this big. It's a knuckle and a half. 66 books. You read it, start today, you're going to finish it in eight months. You read fast, six months. It takes me about 10 months. (laughs) So is the Bible becoming just knowledge or is it experience mixed together to become testimony? Do you want to be healed by the Bible? Do you want to actually be moving gospel? The gospel is alive today as it was yesterday and it will be tomorrow. I'm not quoting myself here, guys. This is the Bible. This is the truth. So if the Bible lives as it was then, as it does today, and you are going through anything and you say, Lord, and this is the confidence that we have in him, that if we ask anything according to his will, he hears us. And if we know that he hears us in whatever we ask, we know that we have the requests that we've asked him. So have you guys asked Jesus into your life? I'm not talking about, are you a Christian? In your testimony, in your life, these words now in the Bible come alive. You become very passionate about it. You stand up here with something like what I'm talking about is, I don't like being up here, guys, but I love talking about the amazing grace and mercy, the beautiful love of Jesus Christ. If you understand it, you've learned a teaching. What can you do? Promote it. If you understand it, you know a teaching, you can promote it. You can invite it in to proclaim it when it changes your life. I can tell you guys about a bunch of cool stuff. You'll get it. You'll write it down. Ricky said this, pretty cool, like it. Inspirational, love it. When it becomes a part of your life, you proclaim it because it has what? Changed you, affected you, healed you, blessed you. What's the next phase? You protect it. God has told me that you guys are here too. Proclaim, protect, and promote the word of Jesus Christ. It's a responsibility to give on to your generation. 
I look around and see a bunch of young faces out there. It's amazing. There's two things that are happening in the, in the church nowadays, is that there's an exorcism, or an, an exodus of the youth. An exodus. You're leaving the church. And two, biblical illiteracy. Biblical illiteracy. Just saying that word to me breaks my heart. The Bible was given as an owner, owner's manual to you. Would you not want to know how to be used? The Bible is full of amazing, beautiful, understanding knowledge that would change your life. Are you using it or just shaking it like an eight ball to give you answers? Is there difficulties that you're going through right now that you need to ask Jesus to come in to make it beautiful, amazing grace and mercy and a story for God? I pray that when I finish here that you guys remember Jesus, not me. I'm going to ask my wife to come up here real quickly. Uh, this song is a song that she sang many times, but a year ago affected me in an amazing way. The song is called Omam Dahe. In English, it means everything in my heart for you, Jesus. I was singing this song in, in service. I was listening to a song in service when she was singing it, and it broke me down. I was on my knees because I said, no, Jesus, I have not been at 100% capacity. I know it. Only I do. No matter how anybody sees me in my filtered, edited version of my Christian life, I know inside that, Lord, there's still more to be developed. There's still more to be invited. There's still a lack of love and understanding that I don't know about you yet, Jesus no matter what age I am. You guys, when you listen to this song, I want you guys to close your eyes and pray. If you don't speak Korean, it's fine. If you speak Korean, listen to the words. It's asking you to give your entire life. We said the scripture earlier that he is Lord. Every knee shall bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. Every knee shall bow and tongue confess that Jesus Christ is Lord and Savior. Give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our trespasses as we forgive those who trespass against us. Lead us not to temptation, but deliver us from evil. For thine is the kingdom and the power forever and ever. He says today, not tomorrow. Today, if you've thought about where you need to ask Jesus for anything, it's right now. Do not procrastinate. This is a time to promote, proclaim, and protect the name of Jesus Christ. I want you guys to close your eyes and start praying while my wife sees a song. And uh, just want you to know that Jesus loves you. So amazing. Jesus loves you. Thank you. Thank you.
Sonne.